0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Alright, it is uh, June 22nd. Uh, This is the PFF forecast. We're going to do... Some fun stuff. We're going to talk about one of the best divisions uh, in the NFL, most exciting divisions in the NFL. Preview it. From a betting standpoint, the NFC South. Um, we're also going to talk some Jamal Adams, some Dak Prescott. Whether we're optimistic right now, because I was optimistic as hell last week. And then, I don't know, maybe there's some reason to be pessimistic. Um, but it should be a lot of fun. Uh, so, that being said, let's rock. I need to. Uh, I need you to to answer a question for me. Yesterday, I observed two kinds of people, two kinds of guys on uh, social media. There's two. There's, I don't have kids yet, so I spent an hour and a half of my Sunday digging up a picture of when my dad was relatively around the age that I currently am, and I posted that. Or, I have a child and I went out of my way to let you know that I have at least one child. I've had sex at least one time. You, sir, found yourself in the second group. Congratulations.
1: You know, I, <laughs> I wanted a way to, like, I wanted a way to act. I wasn't going to do anything, but the perfect opportunity set up, right? Like, I was literally wasn't going to say anything. Yep. But the the whole, like, only two quarterbacks in the NFL make this throw. Yeah, I think did. It did work nicely for you.
0: I, I was gonna give you a little more shit, and I didn't. So it went through most of the day, and I was like, "Oh, Eric has really grown here. This would be a poor, <laughs> this would be a day a few years ago where like for sure, multiple like first thing in the morning pancakes." Oh with come the kids. on,
1: that's not me ever. <laughs> the, the only the only reason I, I'm very much like you in this in this thing, um, but I thought it was pretty easy to. No, so, like, it was
0: good. It was funny. I, I got a kick. I laughed. I thought it was funny. It was well done. Um, but happy Father's Day to you. Uh, congratulations and everything. I'm not one of the people that fa- falls into either group, and for that, I'm giving myself a like a very. You deserve of, like time
1: a PFF forecast uh, seal of approval. <laughs> yes. Um, I I do find it like a little. I do find it's always a stretch, but most people's tweets about anything are a huge stretch, right? True. Like it's the gender a, a reveal, complaint. the, hey, she said yes, uh, personal news, personal news, um, basically yeah. anything, right? Like, and I, I'm more of like a, I, you know, I'm more of a live and let live than you are. Like, I'll always throw a like to somebody who's like, Hey, look, we're having a kid. I like, you know, it's pretty sweet. Yep. Cause you've been there. Because I've, I've been there, you know, okay. I wouldn't know. Have, I, I haven't played quarterback before, but I but I have been there, you know. So I'll always throw somebody like that a It's an emotional time. But I feel there's, like, there's got to be a little joke attached to it every time, mm-hmm. you know. Like, Chloe was born on the third day of draft weekend of 2014. So I was like, hey, here's my second draft pick. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you can make a little joke. But, you know. <sighs> the, the, well, the, thing, the thing about Father's Day that's tricky, though, too, is that, like, it's, like, probably kind of a, a, a messy day for a lot of people, too, you know?
0: That was honestly, and we're going to get off this topic, but, like, this was the thing that I thought of. It like, far be it from me. My dad doesn't have a Twitter, doesn't have an Instagram, he doesn't care. All he does is wants to relax and, like, eat some good food. But I actually, there's a bigger risk that I just, you know, kind of make someone else feel shittier about their life. Yeah. like... <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. Um, so I I actually like out of my, go out of my way of a couple of friends who, um, have lost their father. And I try and go out of my way to make sure that, you know, I check in on them on that day instead of just tweeting, instead of sending them a picture of my
1: dad. I mean, if you're generally speaking, just like a halfway decent person, right? Like people will know that you're not trying to, but it, it is one of those where, you know, it does get overwhelming, but Um, there are some people who, who just, you know, announced our friend, Sean just announced that he was having a kid. Uh, congratulations to Sean. Um, and and that's, you know, that's something I, I, you know, I'd ever want to take away from somebody. So that, but I, I generally don't tweet about days like that unless I'm trying to be funny.
0: All right. Dak is supposedly signing his franchise tender and this kind of works nicely with the, are you more optimistic or less optimistic than you were last week? And I, I have... I keep going back and forth because you read one thing and it's like, oh, there's, you know, cases are spiking everywhere and all these, you know, players are getting uh, tested positive and you go, wow, that's, that can't be good. And then I also think, and I also look at it and I go, well, what would happen if these guys, college students, you know, in particular college athletes and even pro athletes are out there left to their own devices? Like is them being in a controlled state in a place where they can get treatment and get tested actually better for them and all of society? And so, like, I don't know if I'm talking myself into it or not, um, but I, I wonder if you think, first off, are you more or less optimistic? And does the Dak signing his franchise tender at all make you think he knows something that maybe we don't?
1: No. Um, you know, I think that there, there, there's a couple ways to look at the events of the last week. Um, you know, part of, you know, and I talked to you about this. There's so many people in this country that just don't take it seriously at all that it's going to be hard come fall if half the country's taking it seriously. And our big companies are like not like if, if football doesn't play in the fall, especially the NFL, the PR hit and the, whether it's deserved or not. And I would say it'd be undeserved um, if there actually there are legitimate reasons for not playing. Um, But the PR hit from people who don't believe, like, who aren't wearing masks or don't believe coronavirus is actually a threat to anybody, like, that is substantial. So I think there is an extra impetus for at least the NFL to get everything together. And I, I see last week as a, well, what did you expect to happen type week. Like none of the like uh, I was talking to a friend who you know works in the league today. He's on vacation for a month. Like half these people are off, right? They they're not they're done with their summer workout program, uh, and they have a month off to themselves. And like you said, they're on. They're you know Dallas Goddard's in a bar in South Dakota without a mask. No one in there is in a mask. Like what did you expect to have happen? You know.
0: Right. I I see that, and I go. First off, you're an idiot. Second off, um, this this isn't good. Like having people that are. Um, that, you know, naturally, I think, feel sort of invincible out there with a lot of people who are kind of saying, hey, it's okay to be that way. It's not good for these players, and it's not good for the league. I am worried personally about the first movers, though, because I'm just seeing reports, hey, look, the NBA is trying to start off in this bubble. They obviously have fewer players. Logistically, it should be a little easier. Like, if they can't pull that off, I do think the the NFL can still overcome, but it would be really great to see a strategy work, yeah. and for it not to you know totally devolve. So that's a place that I'm you know but, that maybe I'm a little nervous. But um, don't
1: you think like if you were taking this seriously, which you know a lot of people aren't, but if you were taking this seriously, and you said okay, um, there there are just because people are you know the the economy is relatively open. Um, the people are out there, like you said, they're working out together, they're they're traveling together, all that kind of stuff, they're going to get coronavirus. And I would rather it happen now when Mm -hmm. people are like, when everybody's like, wow, this looks terrible, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the memo, you know, the league can send out a memo to teams and they have and say, look, don't work out together without supervision or without, you know, to go into a casino right now, like they take your temperature and you walk in, Right. They make you wear a mask in a casino. Like, if degenerates playing keno have to wear a mask, right, then, you know, the NFL players should, but there's certainly no, they relax about it. Now, if this all, if all this were to happen, let's say July 15th or July 25th or something like that, I think it'd be a lot more dire. Now the league can basically say, look guys, like if you're not going to take this seriously, there is no season. And for a lot of you, for the median NFL player, that's a third of your career or fourth of your career. Like, take this seriously because otherwise there are going to be significant consequences.
0: So you don't you don't think Dak, like, going to sign the franchise tender
1: means he's a little worried, a little nervous? Uh, well, I, I do... Th- I mean, look, I I think that there's...
0: Because there's... there's rumors that there are owners who you would figure, look, you would figure, like, the list of people... That would be worried and would say, hey, let's push back the season. start somewhere at the top and then like the last group of 32 people on that list are the owners of teams because they'll say like, hey, we're gonna play these games we're going to figure out a way And they're owners that want to push back the season.
1: Well, I, don't you think though it's just a, it's just the fact that there's probably not going to be fans at a significant number of the games and the revenue's going to go down, and the cap's going to go down, and Dallas think?
0: So here's the problem, though. If you are holding yourself to the standard of we need to have players in the stadium, then I think you're you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're saying, okay, this is our stake, and I don't believe that that can realistically happen for a very long time, Um, and you risk losing a substantial portion of the season. Whereas if you go, hey, we're going to start the season like this, and if we can get... You know, if we can get halfway through the season and bring some fans in, great. If not, at least we'll have had a season. We're not putting it in
1: jeopardy. Yeah, but I'm thinking more of the salary cap ramifications. Our friend our Jason Fitzgerald that over the cap has postulated that there's going to be a lot of cuts in August, mm-hmm. right, of veteran players. Like, what's to say that Dallas isn't saying, okay, like, I mean, let's, let's face facts. We have, you know, we have this much under the cap, which isn't a lot. We have... Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott, who we're not quite sure of, even though you know he is pretty, he's a pretty good quarterback, and so we could play with Andy Dalton for a year, rescind the tag on Dak, knowing that, I mean, you look at the, there isn't one team with more than thirty thousand dollar, thirty million million dollars in salary cap space, right? So, it's not good, like it's not good for Dak stands to lose more in this situation than Dallas does, right? Yes. And and it's it's not even that the season doesn't get played. It's that the it's that Dallas decides because of the they're looking they're staring down the barrel at the future that they could just rescind the tag. Okay, so the Browns and the Redskins both have over thirty you know thirty million in cap space. Neither one of those guys. I mean the the first team that you look at here. So Browns, Redskins, Lions, Eagles, Jets, maybe the Jets could, you know, consider bailing on Darnold, but like they only have 24 million in cap space. Like there's not a. And, you know, you can do things around this, but maybe he's thinking to himself, OK, like this is my best chance to make 30 million dollars this year.
0: You know, that, that's kind of what I was what I was thinking. I mean, um all right, let's let's get into uh, let's get into the NFC South here because this is going to be exciting to talk about, and so much has changed in this division, obviously because of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But to me, that's one of the narratives when I think about this season that maybe is a little overblown. In other words, everyone thinks Jameis was just god awful, and that Tom Brady is automatically going to be awesome, mm-hmm. and. My initial thought is maybe we should pump the brakes on
1: that. No, I, I really agree. And you look at the you look at the betting markets. It's that's how it's revealed. I mean, Tampa Bay is the biggest barbell in the betting market right now. You know, so you look at so take um, the, the the Super Bowl odds, right? And again, these aren't necessarily you know the biggest reflection, but New Orleans is twelve to one, right? Tampa Bay is twelve to one. NFC South, New Orleans is plus 110, Tampa Bay is plus 115. So, like, the market is saying, look, Tampa Bay is really capable of some high-end stuff. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But you look at some of the lower-tier things, Tampa Bay is only minus 210 to make the playoffs, where New Orleans is minus 320. New Orleans' win totals 10.5 flat. Tampa Bay's is 10-ish, right? 9.5 minus 140, 10, right? So, the, the betting markets, okay, Tampa does have high end. If they put everything together, the casinos and the and the sports books don't want to be left holding the bag, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at, they're also baking in a significant probability that the bucks suck. You know, that nothing here works. That Jameis is actually a better alternative than Brady. That Gronk isn't going to come back and be a Hall of Fame tight end. And... You know the defense. You know last season, and, their their defense. And that Chris are Godwin
0: isn't uh, the the, the, the best non quarterback in the NFL.
1: Look, yeah, <laughs> their defense isn't a top ten group like it showed last year at times. Um, I I think it's fascinating, right? Because like, New Orleans is certainly like a sure bet, you know, in their eyes. Mm-hmm. But there is a significant like there's a significant number of universes where we look back and say, "Wow, why did we see Tampa Bay coming?" You know. Well, to me, this is
0: if I'm so I'm thinking about, you know, how would I and we're going to get to um, how I'm going to drive myself insane this entire year because I have a a fail safe, a a foolproof plan uh, in order to do so. But if I'm thinking about just those two teams, the the difference in win total, the whole win there, to me, it says, hey, if you think Tampa Bay is going to be good, there's still a decent chance they're not great or they're not very good or not really good until the end of the season. And that's when I'm looking at these teams and I go, who is going to get off to a slow start? Like the team that would get off to a slow start would be Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. And even though you know, even though people are talking about that, the market is going to react. So if you're going, wow, should I bet Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl right now? Like the answer is no, you should not. You should just hang out because, um, you know, there, there is a, you just don't know a lot about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You don't know a lot about Tom Brady. You have no idea if they're going to come out and have any idea how to play together. Um, So I don't know. That's kind of the way I would attack it. Just saying that makes me a little nervous um, because they have such a talented team theoretically, but I think that's the way to play it.
1: Yeah. I, I don't disagree at all. What about, um, if you look at, so this is a team that I think we finally priced properly.
0: Are are we going to get into this right now? We can. We can do this right now. Let's do it. it Atlanta Falcons. Yes, I I agree with you. So this was (laughs) okay. So you brought up. This is a great way to put it. You said price properly, and ever since that Super Bowl season, which was Kyle Shanahan's second year with Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's MVP year, that offense was absolutely incredible they have not been they have not been priced properly since i don't think in their own minds and what i mean by that is they have had such high expectations for themselves from that moment on and they just have failed to meet them so the, one of the ways i'm convincing myself in the atlanta falcons in 2020 is that they finally view themselves as underdogs and that this gives dan quinn a chance to to come out of the cocoon, to to stop being caterpillar and become a butterfly. And and go for fourth downs and leverage Matt Ryan and like just throw it up to Julio Jones all the time. And um, you know, Calvin Ridley has a chance to break out and those offensive linemen who they drafted and, and were just no shows in the first and second round last year all of a sudden can be decent and that yeah. helps them quite a bit. Like all of those things I can't get out of my mind. And so I need you to, to walk me off of this
1: ridiculous narrative. Dude, I didn't realize this. Now, this could not – this might not be a complete summarization of the market um, when they – but in 2016, according to Pro Football Reference, the season win total for the Atlanta Falcons was seven. They, they greatly um, and their,
0: exceeded expectation. Remember their defense th- – that was that was the funny thing about that Super Bowl. was like, hey – this defense is like the defense of the future. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like they're super fast. Deion Jones is incredible. They have yep. all these different coverage pieces. It's exactly what Dan Quinn's wanted since he left Seattle. And then like things literally just came apart at the season. Dude,
1: check this. Check this out. So that year, they gave they lost to Jameis at home in Week One. That was the year that Tampa went nine and seven, missed the playoffs, really. Right? They gave up 31, 28, 32, 33, 16 to Denver. But I remember this game because I worked at Pax and Lynch started that game. Mm -hmm. Um, 26 to Seattle in a loss, 33 to the Chargers in a loss, 32 to Green Bay in a a win, 28 to Tampa Bay in a Thursday night win, and then 24 in a loss to Philadelphia. They go to their bye. They're six and four. They beat Arizona. They only give up 19. They lost to Kansas City and they gave up 29, but in that game, Eric Berry had a pick six and a pick two to win the game. <laughs> and I think that Albert Wilson scored on a fake punt. So it was like, you know, not their defense. They gave up 14 to the Rams, 13 to the Niners, 16 to the Panthers. And then, you know, in the playoffs, they only gave up 20 and 21 until they, they lost. So there was something there where their defense like caught fire in the middle of the season and actually mm-hmm. started to play well, but they were like a trash fire defensively, basically early in the season. And Matt Ryan just came on strong. To your point, they got a ton of talent on offense. um, And, you know, like they just have to, it has to come together. But there always is something with them, right? Like in the 2017 season, remember the stat you pulled? It was they led the league in percentage of third down plays that were drops, you know? And, you know, 2018, they were very efficient with Sarkeesian, but they had to fire him because of the optics or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Their defense got hurt all the time. Last season was a little bit of both. Uh, the offense wasn't nearly as good i don't think and the defense had its moments especially in the second half of the year i thought they played a a masterful game as like plus 400 against the niners in santa clara but it was kind of just me- you know all this you know meh kind of thing um i, I have they- a couple i
0: have a couple of reasons to to belie- to believe in regression back and and here's kind of the the thing that I'm thinking about, and I want you to tell me how crazy you think this is. If you said, "Hey, the NFC South, which quarterback slash quarterback situation, if you want to extend it that, do you feel most safe or confident in?" And I believe you can make a really strong case for Matt Ryan, yep. in spite of the fact that if you look at his PFF grade over the last four seasons, 2016, it was second overall, in 91. 2017 remember that was the season that you know right after that where he still played really well but the team was not nearly as good um 90 ranked second then 11th 84.3 and then last year 75.8 15th overall but he was seventh in grade from a clean pocket he was terrible under pressure and this team could not block a soul right not a single person he had a below average time to throw was under pressure over 39% of the time. Like, it was an absolute catastrophe. (laughs) And if those things just regress, you talk about this, we talk about this all the time, it's not just regression in terms of how you perform under pressure or from a clean pocket, it's also how can you give yourself more opportunities to throw from those. So uh, this is kind of a long-winded way of saying, like, I actually think I'm more confident in Matt Ryan rebounding to top seven-ish play than I am Tom Brady and then I am that Drew Brees can sustain it for a whole season.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at their early schedule now, again, this is, this is always, you know, tricky. I mean, the Falcons do as we, as I put up here on the, and a lot of this is the division they play and the Falcons have the hardest schedule, according to PFF Elo Carolina, the second hardest, right. But mm-hmm. a lot of times with these teams, it's not necessarily who you play, but when you play them, they open against Seattle at home, Seattle, traditionally struggles early in the season especially on the road dallas on the road is a tough game but again we don't know like there's a lot of their their defense isn't that good right by and, the and, way
0: that's that's 45 42 exactly and and, yeah. and mike greenberg comes up uh from his home in in greenwich connecticut or or wherever what high rise he is in tribeca and goes you know is is Mike McCarthy going to make it to week five? Right, right.
1: I mean, yeah, that's a game where Young Wei Koo might be the one, <laughs> good or bad. But then you look, okay, home to Bears, they have a better quarterback in that situation. Road to Packers, that's a tough one, but they have a better quarterback. Panthers at home, Vikings, and again, every single time they go play the Vikings, we're going to be on them plus four and a half or whatever it is, and they might just get blown out of the stadium, but they have a better quarterback than the Vikings, mm-hmm.
0: That game, oh. <laughs> that game summarized their season. That yeah. remember how how much we like tried to talk ourselves off of yeah, the, yeah. the Falcons. Was it week two? No, it was week one. Week one. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so was it five and a half? It ended up closing I want to say four or three and a half even. And that ge- that game was over within the first like tenth of a second right. that it was played. Like it, they the the Atlanta Falcons offensive line looked like they had had like eye transplants before the game like they literally couldn't see anything
1: it was Um, it was a touchdown and then a block punt like right away like it was it was over from the moment go but i i
0: I remember there was it was like uh i think it was was the first or second possession but um the the falcons came out on first down had a negative play it was a sack. And so it's second in, like, 16, 17, and they hand it off to Devontae Freeman. <laughs> and he goes, like, full bore, just, like, sprinting. Yeah. Doesn't even come close to making it to the line of scrimmage. Just sure. a disaster. And I, I was, I looked at you, I think, I turned around, I was like, this is fucking over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and then they go home Detroit, at Panthers, home Bronx. Like, the second half of the season's tricky, right? They got the Saints twice in the last seven weeks. They got Tampa Bay twice in the last three weeks. They have Kansas City and... Yeah, you know, they kept Kansas City in Week 16. It's a tough ending for them. But if I'm looking at okay, where's the where's the variance? If the Saints and, ba- and the Saints and the Buccaneers go pear-shaped early in the season, those four games go from being oh my god a murderer's row to being mm-hmm. these were teams we thought were going to be good at the start of the year and now they're cakewalk. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. And, and not so- I. I'm not going to sit here and be like, okay, the, you know, the the Falcons are a great bet, and I and honestly, I think at seven and a half, that's exactly we almost have it exactly there. So we have seven point six. Yeah, i bet online. It's minus one thirty. So just lay off. But to make the playoffs, plus two ten actually, I think is a small edge. A Division plus nine hundred. Uh, yeah, we have I mean
0: fourteen percent. Like, I don't know. That that's that's yeah. a bet that and I'm going to talk about. We might not into. be.
1: We might be regressing teams like New Orleans. and I think, for example, New Orleans, we might be regressing too much because they do have a fair amount of continuity, and mm-hmm. the Falcons are sitting there trying to – I mean, you're talking about second-year linemen in two spots. You're talking about a, a new third receiver, uh, a new running back, for what that's worth. And they have – you know, when you look at their defense, they, they did make a pretty good draft pick in A.J. Terrell, in my opinion. But you mm-hmm. look at who they Barton lost – Marlon, yeah, you you look at, they lost Schweitzer, they lost Beasley, they lost Devondre. I think Devondre Campbell is a decent player. They yeah, lost Adrian Cla- they lost Claiborne, they lost Trufant, they lost Hooper, the tight end. And again, those guys can be replaced, and frankly, they weren't, You know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they're not leaving a great defense. But you're now, you know, Atlanta's really leaning on guys like Dante Fowler and Dayon Buchanan in a very weird way. To make up for some of the losses that they had, and that you know Laquan Treadwell, for example, is their third receiver. Those are all like speculative. And I know our friend Evan Silva got after them about not getting an offensive player with their top pick. I like Terrell, and I like the direction that is. But you're a lot needs to go right for them. But if it does go right, and it goes wrong for teams like New Orleans and Tampa, it's not a terrible road for Atlanta.
0: If you go, if you say, hey. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley are the best trio of offensive players in this it, it, that any team has in this division. I don't you're not crazy like you're not you know you're not crazy at all now I think the chances that Brady, Godwin and Evans are are much higher. I'll give you that and I think you know Breeze Thomas and, and Sanders, sure yeah they're on that level certainly, but like Julio Jones I, I feel as though he and Ryan are probably the most underrated like top 10 players at their positions Mm -hmm. and um, they're going to be playing with this. No one believes in us thing, which to me for a team like Atlanta, where so much of the time it's been, how do you underperform these, your aspirations so often it's finally an opportunity for them not to do that. And I'll just say this about Atlanta since 2016, the three best offenses in the NFL and EPA per play, new Orleans, Kansas city and Atlanta. Like they have had sustained offensive success. Um, It wouldn't surprise me for that to come back. Let's talk about New Orleans a little bit here. What is the what is the key for New Orleans? Like, is it as simple as saying the key for New Orleans is that Emmanuel Sanders ends up being still a top 25 receiver? And that compliment to Michael Thomas
1: is what they needed? Or do they need more pieces to go right? No, I think it is. I mean, when you run that... So one thing I uncovered last week when looking at Godwin was that Emmanuel Sanders last season had the, the sh- smallest number of negatively graded plays by wide receivers in our database mm. last year um, among Just players with a certain... Doesn't drop passes. Yeah. A certain amount of routes. The the thing that hurts New Orleans, you know, generally speaking, is their offense cannot make mistakes, right? Um, they, 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 tr- they drive up the field... By by being perfect, you know, by by taking six, seven, eight yards, eleven, twelve yards, they don't hit big plays, and it's why, you know, it's why a it team like San Francisco or a team like Kansas City has more success than them in the postseason because, you know, you don't have to be perfect in the postseason. You're playing good teams, and good teams make you a little less perfect. And if you rely on perfection, you struggle. Emmanuel Sanders is a nice fit there because Michael Thomas is going to make a ton of plays. And he's going to be the one that they lean on. But when they decide to rise up and throw the ball to their second receiver, they're going to have a much more reliable target there. So it is a, that's a very good pickup. Um, my concern with them is, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking to themselves, okay, they, they bring a lot of players back. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing. And, and And I agree to a certain extent. But on defense, they did lose some pieces. I mean, they lost Vaughn Bell to Cincinnati, our, our hometown Bengals. They lost A.J. Klein to Buffalo. and They lost Eli Apple, who ended up being a pretty good player for them. And they did not stockpile with a ton of draft picks. They only had four draft picks, and one of them was a Which quarterback. Which was the
0: most expected thing in the universe, that the own Saints didn't stockpile draft yeah, picks. Yeah, and they
1: a quarterback that they traded back into the draft for, who's, like, just a better version of Taysom Hill, frankly. So... I, I'm. We talked about it the at the onset of this podcast how Tampa Bay is the fat tail team, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. But I think New Orleans is far less normal than people think, right? I mean, if Breeze goes down, like, does Jameis fit in there, right? If Michael Thomas were to go down, do they have a player that can be that consistently good? We saw last season they're, they're running back, you know, the passes that – Kamara used to you know, make a ton of plays on, went away when he got injured. He still played, mm-hmm. but they went away. Did, what happens there? You know, like, it, I, I, think, I think their high end is still pretty high, but I think that this thing could go south if, if they're not careful.
0: I wanted to take a second to talk about Alvin Kamara because um, he, he, I think I mentioned this before, he's in my list of, this, he isn't the best player in his position, but he's like my favorite player at that position, um Deshaun Watson is in that list. Um you know and and Kamara's right up there with him. I just love the way the guy plays. He's so much fun to watch and you could notice last year that it just wasn't there. And even though that you know obviously the robustness to running back play is clear, they were still a very very efficient offense when you have Michael Thomas and no one else and you just can't go to Michael Thomas every single time down, especially because Michael Thomas isn't a guy that, um, you know, he, he attacks the intermediate zones quite often, but he's not exactly taking the top off the defense and, you know, creating all the space um, that you notice the Alvin Kamara bit. And Alvin Kamara was a guy that through his first couple of years in the league forced more missed tackles per touch than any running back. And that took a real, uh, a, a real, you know, hit last year Um but he's the type of guy you see. You know, I usually make fun of guys for having these, you know, workout videos, but he does. If you haven't seen him, I'd be shocked if you haven't seen him. But you should check him out if you haven't. Like some of the the agility drills and like eyesight and like balance drills that he does at the same time are insane. Yeah. And um, I would not surprise me for him to come back kind of bigger and better than than he was before. What's interesting, I think, also with New Orleans is the the defense has all of this talent, but somehow they, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a play in a dome. They always seem to underperform what I expect from a talent perspective.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting, like, it's just an interesting group, right? I mean, they, they were very, I, I, do you think that they're, that they have the right approach to coverage versus pass
0: rush? Well, you know, I thought, you know, the, the, the Marshawn Lattimore pick was sensational. They've invested in a couple of other players out there, um, particularly from the Ohio State uh, University, I guess, until this year where they let a couple of those guys go. Um, but the trade-up for Marcus Davenport where it was like, okay, all we need is the secondary pass rusher mm-hmm. to, Cal- you know, to Cameron Jordan, and that's, that's going to get us over the hump. Um, Sean Payton, I think we give a lot of credit to him for being forward-thinking because of his willingness to go for and fourth down. And really what it is is that he's got this aggressive mentality that lines up with it, but he still has this really old-school approach to football, I think, in general. And maybe that's where some of it leaks out.
1: Yeah, because you look at last season, we get, I gave him a lot of credit for picking up Janoris Jenkins. And, and I think DJ Swearinger in the second half, they got Michael Jenkins this year, Uh, To come back to New Orleans to sort of replace Vaughn Bell. They re signed PJ Williams, who actually, I think, really struggled last season. Yep. Um, I, you know, Cam Jordan's a great player. You know, I do think that they they throw numbers at the position, which may be, you know, the smart thing to do. Um, But, man, they got exposed. You know, in the second half of that Vikings game, you know, when, when, uh, what was it when Latimer got hurt and they had to put Patrick Robinson on Thielen and that, you know, that last, the final play to, to him, uh, it showed like how important depth is. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it'll be tested this year because, you know, letting a guy like Bell go letting Apple go, even if they are coming back with Jenkins Swearinger and, and the other Jenkins. Um, I don't know. Like, I, like it would be nice if they approached things like Tampa did, which is just to draft a lot of defensive backs.
0: Yeah. What What is your feeling on Drew Brees? So if I look at, um, and there's a lot of good stuff on all three of these quarterbacks in, um, in the quarterback annual, but I'm looking at his grade uh, by week last year. And if I could zoom in here, week 15, highest grade of any player at the position, like 96.5. And then week 16 and 17, it just falls off of a cliff. Uh, 27th highest and 26th highest grades, respectively. And then, of course, in the playoffs, not a super great performance against the Vikings. Like, is that it? Is that, like, hey, I've got 10 games in me, and then after that, you know, good luck?
1: Right, and we thought that him being hurt uh, for five was games in the of, it, yeah. right? Like, how silly was it for him to play against Arizona before the bye? Right. You know, like, the idea that Teddy couldn't just beat the Cardinals, right? You know, silly in the, you know, before the buy and give real you know, breeze two more weeks off. Yeah. I, and maybe that might be it. I mean, we, I think we look at the teams they've played in the playoffs and we think to ourselves, Oh, maybe, maybe there's something to that, right? Like the Eagles gave them a ton of fits right after the buy in 2018, been the playoffs Uh they won that game, but it wasn't like a, a they weren't going away. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Rams, they had a big lead against the Rams and squandered it away. And the Rams at the time had really good secondary play. So it helped. And then the Vikings are a team. Uh, they're not this way anymore, but last season in the playoffs, they had some players who could play in the secondary. Uh, and, and, you know, they have one of the best, you know, coaches as far as scheming out coverage. Maybe it's a, an opponent adjusted thing where forever, mm-hmm. you know, the saints were playing the Falcons who actually gave them a really tough game early, you know, they they beat them up pretty good, but then you know they played well on Thanksgiving night. Tampa Bay has always been historically weaker in the secondary. Uh, you know Carolina too. Maybe it's one of those things where we're just mesmerized by the fact that New Orleans has you know generally speaking an easy schedule against the opposing defenses. And then when the you know Dallas comes in on a Thursday night in 2018, they look like a fish out of water. I'm not sure, but I do think that if you're a Saints fan, Breeze's career statistics the most valuable player in the NFL during certain stretches of time. None of that sort of matters right now because the goal has to be for them to win a Super Bowl. And I don't know if Breeze is able to string together enough really, really good games to do it.
0: If you're if you're sitting here on Drew Bree's decline road, one of the things that you might look at is under pressure, and this is actually really surprised me, it's one of the more surprising things in prepping for this that i that I came across, he had the second highest grade during the regular season of any quarterback under pressure. Something that you would expect certainly you know, to regress. Um, Doesn't take a ton of sacks, obviously, that helps. Um, But, you know, it was just ninth in grade from a clean pocket. And to me, that says a lot. Like, I would would have been shocked if you told me Drew Brees had the second highest grade of any quarterback last year and wasn't top seven, top five uh, from a clean pocket. That would have really surprised me. So those are the things you go, hey, maybe, you know, that, that greater pressure regresses. And really, he is declining a little bit from a clean pocket. He can't make some of those throws that he used to make. Um, and and maybe Emmanuel Sanders gives him the rebirth he needs. Maybe not. Maybe it's Alvin Kamara who all of a sudden is you know at full strength, and that's the that's the piece because like that trio could be really special. Obviously, here's a question:
1: um, New Orleans. So we're talking about the two best teams in this division. New Orleans, yep. ten and a half unders minus one fifteen. Tampa and Bay Falcons. Tampa oh, Bay man. nine nine and a half unders not plus one ten.
0: Not the Falcons is the second best. Okay. Sure.
1: Not not right now. Well, okay. We have a we have a, a healthy a respect for the then. marketplace. Yeah. Um, which one of those is a better bet? Oh, man. To me, I don't think it's really close.
0: I think it's Tampa Bay.
1: The under for Tampa.
0: No. No, no,
1: no. Sorry. I've changed
0: my mind. You, and maybe it was because you had some hesitation in your voice there. Uh, I've just sat here convincing myself that Drew Brees is, uh, you know, is on the decline. So I, I think I go New Orleans there.
1: Yeah. So here's my, here's my reasoning. If you look at strength of schedule with those two teams. Mm-hmm. New Orleans is seventh. Highest. Tampa Bay is in the bottom half of the league in terms of strength of schedule. Yeah. Um I think the road's tougher. Obviously you get an extra win. You're you're still playing flat prices. A ten and a half is an odd like I don't know unless you're like a fan, like if you're a Chiefs fan, betting over ten and a half, like whatever, do it. But I don't you know, I don't care. But if you're if you're expecting to make money doing this, you're not gonna do well betting over ten and a half. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like just Mm -hmm. all the things that can go wrong, it's asymmetric. And I think for a, second, for a second
0: for a second I was so caught up in drinking my water because I had to concentrate oh, on it. Yeah, that, sorry, I gotta do this that, too. That I thought um I thought you were talking about the over for a second. And so that actually my my thought process is congruent. I'm not completely crazy. The the idea
1: I'm that... throw this away now.
0: In <laughs> in And uh it, it was like lead. the um it's like uh, a bat flip. For someone that that you know is born on third base and hits. Like a Otis triple. Nixon. Yeah, and they're just like, you know what, I don't even have a bat to throw because I never even had to step into the bat Dude, do you box. remember
1: Jason Tyner? We're gonna talk about the twins in a second here, just for if you want to <laughs> yeah. log off. Um <laughs> But Jason Tyner like went like a thousand at after hitting a home run, and he finally like hit one over like a short porch in like oh six, and he did like every home run dance in the book. I felt like that was like what the water thing was. Um all right, so my, we haven't talked my, anything about Carolina yet. I do think we need to I, talk I know, about Carolina. I want to talk
0: about uh, Tampa Bay real quick, though, because uh, maybe we haven't given them enough time. Um, Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield, they they draft Tyler Johnson, and then two running backs as well. I know your boy Raymond Calais who um, you think is going to be better than their third round pick Keyshawn Bond, and the chances of that are probably pretty <laughs> damn good.
1: <laughs> maybe even money. We'll see.
0: Maybe even money. Um, but you look at the rest of this team and you go, man, if we're sitting here in February, God willing, the Super Bowl happens in February and you go like what you said uh, earlier, like, holy shit, the, the Tampa Buccaneers were just really like they were stacked. And and for some reason, we were like trying to find a way to down. Them. It, it almost reminds me of the people that were like, yeah, I know Steph, Clay and Draymond were really good together. But do we really? Are we sure adding Kevin Durant's going to be good for them? <laughs> do, are we sure? There's only one ball. Do, do we know that that Steph Curry will? Maybe he's secretly really selfish. Um, and, and we're sitting there like, I can't believe we actually thought this. Like we right, watched, right, right. we watched the Patriots last year. They didn't have a single receiver that that wasn't glued to a defensive back for the entirety of the play. Their offensive line was a little worse. Um, they didn't have a single tight end under the age of forty-five, and like, yeah, Brady didn't look great. It's like it's not surprising that that was the case. And now you get him two guys that are going to be, you know, wide freaking open and having an athleticism advantage against everybody. And Godwin and Evans, you have Gronk who's going to be like a specialty slot receiver. You have, uh, you know, OJ Howard who by you know should be a good tight end, um, and you have an offensive line that isn't bad. Um, Especially now that you add Tristan and you're like, oh shit! Like this team could
1: be really good. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the thing. It's like, what what year was that where we were all like, well, the Rams might, you know, the Rams had a good year, first year McBay, and then they add a decent number amount of talent after that, and we're like, yeah, but you know, these teams regress, and then they're ten and one or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh jeez, like I'm an idiot. I think that could be how. You know, I I don't think I can, I can't bet Tampa's over and, you know, and I have bet a little bit on the under when it got, you know, got, got absurd, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think it's a team where I wouldn't get upset at anybody if they just said, look, I just want to watch this play out. You know what I mean? Or I, you know, I'll put a little bit on them to win the Super Bowl because, you know, I just kind of want to see it happen. I don't think there's any value on betting into Tampa Bay right now. There's none. Like, that's been, you know, that's that's gone. But it, I think there's a significant chance that they are a decent team. And a really good team, frankly. So, my my favorite bet in this uh, division
0: is... <laughs> God damn it, I can't believe I'm doing this again. Is, is the Atlanta Falcons uh, either make the playoffs at, like, plus 210... Uh, or to win the division at plus 900 and then to either take like the New Orleans under and wait for Tampa Bay or just to kind of wait for Tampa Bay and see what happens to them. Carolina, the team we haven't talked about, does not make my list of any of those bets that I would like to make. What are your thoughts?
1: Um I look at them and I think to my I think and we have disagreement even amongst our group. I like Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. I think he did great things at Temple. He did great things at Baylor. And the Bridgewater thing doesn't make a ton of sense to me, and I like Teddy as much as anybody. Um, I do think, though, when you look at the way, so they they, they acquired offense within free agency. hmm including uh, including Joe Brady. They acquired defense in the draft, and I think that there were some pretty good picks there. Uh, you know, Kenny Robinson, Troy Pride Jr., I think, are a good player. Jeremy Chin's a good safety. Their early picks sucked, in my opinion. I, Derek Brown at eight or whatever, he, he was seven, I think. Doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, I, five and a half is a, is a low number. You know what I'm saying? Um, it is, especially. Because you have the you're... second hardest schedule in the NFL. So I'm I'm really hesitant to be like, okay, let let's 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 go after Carolina over five and a half. Um Carolina's you know like, it's a weird thing. I'm not betting the under for sure.
0: They also have the other three teams in their division. but I don't think we're giving Atlanta enough credit for being still hard out. Yeah and for Atlanta to be like, look, we're gonna beat one team, it's gotta be Carolina. Like we got to come in and just stop this team because we're not going to get yeah. many of these options. And I think that's what Tampa Bay and New Orleans are going to be thinking also. Um, Teddy Bridgewater goes from one hell of an environment in New Orleans to one hell of an environment in Carolina in terms of what he's got around him. And I know like Joe Brady was great at LSU. Joe Brady had better athletes at LSU than he's going to have in Carolina. <laughs> yeah. And, and have a slightly harder set of defenses to go against. So... To me, I, this was. I a know move. that's hyperbole, but that, but I'm not even being that facetious. Like I think Justin Jefferson would be. I mean, DJ Moore is good, but Justin Jefferson would probably be right up there in terms of athleticism, yeah. and Jamar Chase would, is more athletic, uh,
1: athletic than he is. But Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson's a good trio. They they're going to lose out on Greg Olson, who had lost it a little bit, but was good, right? Yep. Their offensive line is, phew, you know. I He'd great. They got Van, Greg Van Rotten, but that's like, you know, it could be as bad as the second part of his last name. And I, I you know, I just I'm not uh the, this uh, the
0: here's the, the silver lost Greg lining Van Rotten, yeah. Here's the silver lining for Carolina, and I think this is what they are trying to do. They're trying to say, "Hey, we're going to take some shots on some guys offensively who if everything lines up, could take advantage of like the world collapsing for Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and Atlanta. And Teddy Bridgewater, we don't know enough about him that maybe in the right situation he is a top 10 guy. But in all likelihood, that's not going to be the case. And we're going to be bad enough in that situation against a bunch of really good opponents that we're going to collapse and we're going to have a shot to go get our guy you know, next year at quarterback mm-hmm. or trade up to go get him and, and that's how you have to play it. So if that's the way they're approaching it, then that's the right move. And, and with Matt rule, like a guy that I think people are way too high on just, you know, given everything that he's accomplished in places where the expectations were zero, like that's great. Um, but I'd still, you know, I, I still don't know if we're, if we're just taking that and extrapolating it into like, okay, this guy's just going to be great in a situation where, you know, people are expecting at least something.
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my issue with that approach is that Teddy Bridgewater's a lot of things, and he's not a lot of things, right? He's not a, an elite quarterback. He is not a... But he's not a tank job quarterback either. That's, like, my really big issue, right? He's a guy that completes a high percentage think, of his passes.
0: Yeah, I think that's your your proclivity for Teddy he, Bridgewater. He's
1: won... He, he's 10 games over 500. I, career. Know, I know. He... Like he's not, he the the Panthers can't win this division with Teddy. I I they can't I I don't I can't see it happening. The dominoes falling with, are too substantial. But they can win seven games, can't they?
0: No, I, I think they yeah. can. They just can't. They just probably can't win any of those against their division, and that makes it hard to win yeah, seven no, games. Yeah, you're right, and
1: that's why the over is is because there's a significant fact. There's a significant number of universes where they're 0 and 6 in the division, and just to bet the over, you need them to go six hundred, you know, six yep. out of ten against the rest of the league. And that's tough. But the problem is, is if you're approaching this from a let's go get our guy, let's go, you know, South Carolina, you know, Clemson, South Carolina, let's go get Trevor Lawrence to quarterback this football team, have him sit behind Teddy for a year as a kind of an Alex Smith type apprenticeship. Bridgewater's not that guy, right? Like, that was always the rub with the Chiefs was that, like, Alex Smith was never the guy, right, to tank, you know? And so maybe, you know, and to their credit, I don't think they did a ton of trades in the draft, if any. So to their credit, they're not, like, more leveraging, they're not mortgaging the future. They could just do what the Chiefs did and trade up to get Lawrence. Um, Yeah. But it's it's trickier that way. So
0: I always talk myself into people being, like, optimal in their situations. And there was this whole narrative that, Oh, David Tepper is a new age owner. And like, maybe, you know, like age of analytics is coming to Carolina. And I think actually he and Matt Rule are not that way at all. Yeah. And for that risk. reason for that, that's how I can get on this, this over a five and a half. Cause mathematically, like our simulations have been going over five and a half, a substantial amount of the time. I want to say it's seven. If I wrote this down correctly, it's over 70% of the time. Um, and, you know, that, those are great odds, but you're also fighting against this massive amount of unknown with these guys where it's like, I just have no idea. You know, I haven't seen Teddy Bridgewater play on a team that isn't stacked in, you know, in his entire career.
1: Well, in I'm Minnesota, sorry. it was. Sorry, I mean, play really well. Okay, because in Minnesota, it was, yeah, his yeah, left I'm... tackle was TJ Clemmings. Right. No, I meant play really well. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, he made the... Well, you're you, right. You you're think right. he was really I'm going to pull back on Bridgewater. Okay. I, I always adjust for the fact that he was a first and second year player when he was like a one and a half war sure. guy. But That's true. now he's mature and he... Look, like the expectations are just much higher. I think, as you probably agree, the place for Bridgewater to go was the Chargers or the Bears. Or New England. Where the... Th Carolina made the least amount of sense for him. And so I'm always skeptical, but I don't know what to think. That, does that skepticism make me want to bet they're over? No. I you know, but that skepticism certainly has me not laying anything on the under because like they could steal a few games just because he has, you know, some moxie and he wins football games against teams he shouldn't.
0: Yeah, I think New England is a low-key bad place for someone to go as a free agent. Yeah, the cupboard
1: is pretty bare there. Offensively. Yeah, well, uh, right. That that's a we should have the whole podcast on the Patriots 2020. Uh, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> they should make a documentary. I'm going like to take another drink here. Hold on. Um. Good. Make sure you don't spill on yourself there. Um. All right. That was uh, that was the NFC South. Um. Real quick. Couple things here. We're gonna do Quibby on uh, Thursdays, so no Quibby today. Um, I have to get the you know creative juices flowing there. Jamal Adams, you wrote a great article. Everyone should go check it out on PFF.com. dot com. Um, place he he has t- eight teams. You wrote about his value in there. You also wrote about the the places it makes the most sense from a football fan perspective. Where would you most like to see him play?
1: Well, I'm somewhat heavily invested in Tennessee this year. I want to go to Tennessee.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. It's a, you know, it's a it's a team that is looking to bring in, like, they are looking to to take advantage of a relatively weak-ish, you know, aging quarterback in Phillip Rivers, DeAndre Hopkins leaves. Like, that makes a ton of sense, whereas some of these other teams, like the Ravens and the Niners, a- and the Cowboys even, like, they already have a lot of this star power. I don't know. The, the Titans are a sneaky good one. Uh,
1: obviously, I'm I mean, because the
0: Cowboys, but the, the Titans are sneaky.
1: Because you can't have a team that, like, you can't have a team where if you make even half of what the Khalil Mack trade is, they're yeah. stuck with, a, like, a silly quarterback situation. But Tennessee's kind of bought in Tannehill, so, you know, whatever. You'd have him and Bayard. They, they struggled getting a pass rush last year. He could help them with that. They struggled in the back end of coverage. He can help them with that. Um, He makes everybody, I wrote in the article, he makes people around him better. So it's better stuff for Adoree Jackson. It's better stuff for, uh, you know, the corners that they, uh, Malcolm Butler, if he's still there. I can't remember if he's still there. And the linebackers underneath. Like, it's a great get and they have enough money and um, they're not completely leveraged in the future. And they're also sneakily, like, they're a Jamal Adams away from being the third best team in the AFC. I like that call a lot. Um they'd have to give up a
0: first, do you think, for
1: him? I, I somehow I calculated that like maybe the nineteenth overall pick-ish is what he's worth. Would make would make some sense. So if you let's say gave him you know gave up a first for him, given where Tennessee's currently lined, which is you know an over-under of nine-ish, eight and a half in some places, um, that makes sense. And okay. and the Jets, I think there's some impetus for the Jets to do it too, because they sort of want the reverse of what the Bears had. They they're sitting here on a third-year quarterback, and if he stinks, what what do you want? You want a ton of capital to move up and get rid of him um, by yeah. taking a Fields or Lawrence, Lance, somebody like that. And, and you know, Brock Purdy should you know he he play as well uh, as some people think he is. So. That I, mean, I think it makes sense for both parties. Dallas, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because of Dak, uh, mm-hmm. even though I know he's from there, he wants to live there. You know, um, you know, a lot of teams don't really make sense for him, but I do think Tennessee makes sense for him.
0: I like that one a lot. All right, we're gonna get out of here on this the emptiest stadium you have ever been in,
1: uh, behind, but besides the besides Tulsa or <laughs> Tulas, Two Tulas, Two um. Yeah, so, and I know my dad listens to this podcast, so, you know, bless you, I, you know, for Happy the memories. Day. Um, yeah, Happy Father's Day. Um, so, when I was a kid, the twins, the Minnesota twins, where, you know, I grew up, were so bad that they, and they could not sell at the Metrodome, because maybe they were, like, rats and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. They would sell tickets to home games for $4. <laughs> and my dad, bless his heart, would take me, he would take off work, and he'd take me to, like, these Thursday games against, like, the rattiest teams in the league. So I And I I was a kid. I didn't care. It was perfect. Yeah. But, like, I'd be sitting here, like, in a stadium of, like, 8,000 people watching, like, Eric Milton try to pitch a no-hitter against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays or, like, the uh, Montreal Expos when there was, you know, interleague play. Like, those were the stone cold, like, emptiest stadiums I've ever been to. That's pretty bad. Um,
0: the emptiest stadium stadium I've ever been in, um, as, and it, I'm not counting the, like, AAU games that I've, <laughs> that I've played in as, you know, like a 10-year-old. Um, the emptiest stadium I've ever been in that was, like, a college or pro game that actually somewhat mattered. I had a buddy whose brother played for UC Davis, who, if you're familiar with college football and haven't heard of UC Davis, that's because UC Davis like doesn't matter. And they were playing Stanford like week one uh, of a, some college football season. And for some reason, I went to that game, and it was freezing cold because California, Northern California, State League gets freezing cold. There were like there were like tw- twenty five people on our side <laughs> of the stadium. It was it was brutal, and it, um, I, I'll never forget that game, even though I can't remember like a single play that actually happened in that game because there were none that, that stuck out but there was just no one there so that was
1: that was the worst one
0: not even in two lots. not even in it was on a coastal It's on a coast it's
1: shocking you guys have more to do in, in California true yeah this is true alright we
0: will be back on uh, Thursday um, still working on a potential guest so I don't want to uh, ruin it there but we're going to talk um, NFC North which will be a lot of fun So, thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe, and uh, keep those fingers crossed for the season. Peace out.